Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Welcome. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Marty Kress, and I'm your host. Today, we're speaking with Harry Mosier. Harry is the founder of Reshoring Initiative. He started the initiative in 2010 to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. Prior to starting the initiative, he held leadership positions at GF Machining Solutions, where he began in 1985 as the company's president and retired in 2010 as chairman. Harry's reshoring efforts have been widely recognized. In 2010, he was inducted into the Industry Week Manufacturing Hall of Fame and was named Quality Magazine's Quality Professional of the Year in 2012. Mosier actively participated in President Obama's insourcing forum at the White House in January 2012. He also won the Economist debate in January 2013 on outsourcing and offshoring and received the Manufacturing Leadership Council's Industry Advocacy Award in 2014. He has been featured in numerous media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Bloomberg's Business Week, as well as Fox Business News, BBC World, and NPR. Harry has a master's, as well as an undergraduate degree in engineering from MIT, and an MBA from the University of Chicago. Please join me today in welcoming Mr. Harry Mosier to Manufacturing Tomorrow. Good morning, Harry. Good morning, Marty. It's great to be here. I, I appreciate all the attention, the opportunity to uh, communicate with your audience. Uh, we're very excited. It's a, it's not only a hot topic, it's a very relevant topic when you live in a manufacturing state like Ohio. So we're thrilled to have you here. Harry, it might help people that are listening today if maybe you gave a working definition of reshoring. So they hear terms like reshoring and insourcing. Could you give a little working definition and then tell us what got you so passionate about this issue? So a uh, definition. Uh, reshoring is to once again make here products that for a while were made offshore. And it can be uh, the assembly of a product or it can be the component that goes into the assembly of the product. It can be made by the brand company or it can be made by a contractor for the brand company, a supplier. It can be even a product, uh, uh, say a new revision of the product, it doesn't have to be physically exactly the same. It can even be uh, company A starting to produce here uh, uh, products to replace something that had been imported and sold by the retailer from company B. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. It could it could even be, in a sense, it could even be we're making cars here and we're not making buggies anymore, and the car replaces the buggies that had been imported from offshore. Got it. And what got you passionate about the issue? What was that moment in time that said, I'm going to really take this on? Uh, um, I'll give you two sides of that. The, the emotional side, uh, I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is right across the river from New York. And the, the biggest thing in town was Singer Sewing Machine. In its day, about 100 years ago, the factory there was the largest in the world. And my uh, grandfather was a foreman. My dad ran about a third of the factory. I worked there summers. And I drove past 10 years ago, and it was all gone. Everything was being made offshore. And I, I, I cried then for what we had lost, the city, the state, my family, the country, whatever. And, and I, I drove around the country selling machine tools and foundry equipment. 
and I saw industry after industry, factory after factory that were gone. They were being done offshore. So that was the emotional side. Gotcha. The, the practical side, I was retired from my old job, and I <laughs> didn't want to stop working, <laughs> and this looked like the, the, the best contribution I could make. Well, it's a great cause. What I like about your approach is you have a business space to it. It's not an emotional approach to the issue. So let me share with the audience the topic that you won the debate on. It might be a nice segue to talk about. The topic was, do multinational corporations have a duty to maintain a strong presence in their home countries? And based on the answer you just gave, you can do both that as well as meet your uh, international and global requirements without putting the company at risk. But a lot of the decisions that people were making were based more on my competitors there, it looks good, but it wasn't a really good business assessment. Is that a fair comment? I think that, that's a fair, uh, fair summary. Uh, basically, you know, I, I won and uh, against a, a famous economist, from uh, Professor Boguati from Columbia University. And I thought we had the intrinsically the more difficult case to make because companies are believed or, or assumed or legally required to maximize profitability for their shareholders. So we had to prove, in effect, what I proved, I, 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 to a small extent, I proved the ethical or moral case, the responsibility to the country in which they were grown. But more so, I, I proved that the, uh, that the company would be more profitable if it didn't offshore extensively, if it still maintained a substantial presence in the home country, they'd both be more profitable today, but because they would thereby be strengthening the society that protects them, they would be enhancing their sustainability over the longer term. What I really liked is I read the uh, article in The Economist magazine about the debate, and at the end of the debate, your opponent agreed with you with your basic prevence that you can now show the value proposition for reshoring, which in and of itself is something that you know a lot of people uh, contest. They say, oh, no, 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 it's just the political thing. But it really is a good, solid business decision to bring certain things back to the U.S. And, and we, one of the ways we make that case is, is not to claim that everything should come back, right. but, that, but to, we, we don't say companies should reshore. We say it's in the interest of companies to reevaluate their offshoring and case by case, product by product, uh, look at the numbers, do the math, and make the right decision as to what should stay offshore and what should come back, or even what should, what is here now and should go away. But to do it from a, a logical, uh, holistic analysis of all the uh, costs, the risks, and the strategic impacts, what we call total cost of ownership. Gotcha. One of the uh, numbers that was used in the debate was 50,000 manufacturing jobs have been brought back. Do you know what the current number is? Can you give an estimate of what the impact is? And, and talk about, as you were talking about what it could involve, what does it include, tool and die manufacturers, small-scale businesses? Kind of the, who, who's the winners in this one? Okay. Uh, the, the, the total now is on the order of 150 to 170,000 jobs that have been both reshored and also a second category, foreign direct investment. So okay. uh, Siemens, Toyota, Honda b building a factory here. So, so that and that total, the total of those two trends is now on the order of uh, 50 or 60,000 per year happening, okay? And, and to get a, a longer term perspective on that, back in around the year 
2003, we were losing about 150,000 manufacturing jobs a year to offshoring, just to offshoring, not productivity, not recession, not just to move, you know, move, sending the work offshore. And we were gaining maybe 10 or 20 from reshoring and foreign direct investment. So we've gone from having that huge imbalance to now the total coming in from reshoring and foreign direct investment exceeds the number being lost that year. So now we have a, a, net, a net, net gain win. of 10 or 20,000 in comparison to a net loss of maybe 130,000. One of the great quotes I liked uh, that was referring to your initiative was, on the one hand, people would think you're challenging corporations as to how they're doing business, but we're also challenging the American workforce to say, we need the education and training that makes us a candidate of choice for these jobs. Would you talk about that end of the spectrum as well? Yeah, the, the, probably the, the biggest weakness in the U.S. economic manufacturing system is the, is the lack of a skilled workforce. Now, we, we have more or less enough. We certainly have enough university graduates in general, and we have pretty close to enough engineers, but the toolmaker, precision machinist, welder, those, those skilled professions uh, are where we are, uh, we've been negligent. And, and in contrast to countries like Germany or Switzerland that have, where 70% of the high school st students at the age of 16 go into an apprenticeship and are exquisitely well-trained by a master in the field. So that's where our weakness is, and, and we have to overcome that if we're going to be competitive on the world market. We can tell you one of the key themes we've walked away from this radio show getting a handle on is the fact that kids don't think manufacturing's cool. They think it's the old plan of yesteryear, and they don't realize how automated and the role of robotics and how manufacturing has changed. Do you ever talk to young groups and try and inspire them to say, you have some endless career opportunities? Uh, actually, we uh, before I was the uh, advocate for reshoring, I was the advocate for a skilled workforce. Okay, and and people who submit their cases of reshoring <laughs> to us on our website at uh, www.reshorenow.org and go to case studies. And if they submit their case of reshoring, <laughs> they get a manufacturing is cool T-shirt. I love uh, it. <laughs> made in the U.S. out of U.S. cotton. <laughs> and folks, for those of you that can't see this, the shirt is being held up in real time right now for all you viewers to take a look at. I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And, and they can see the shirt on their website. When you now go out and you talk to companies, do they have greater receptivity for the message and do they have more appreciation for the elements of cost? I think one of the key things that you surfaced was when you're making these investments decisions, you're not really looking at the full-up costs. You know, there's 20 to 30 percent that you're forgetting about. Do American manufacturers now look at the equation differently based on your activities and those of the White House? Yeah. Uh, I'd say our activities, the White House, Boston Consulting Group, some other consulting companies have done an excellent job also of, of analysis and, and often mentioning total costs that the companies have to look beyond price at, at total cost. Um, some companies, yes, otherwise we wouldn't have made the progress that we've made, but many companies still uh, reward their supply chain uh, procurement people on the basis of price, so looking at something called uh, purchase price variance. Gotcha. And, and to the extent that the that the manager is rewarded based on saving on price instead of on total cost, the manager is going to optimize on on price because that's how he get he or she gets uh, rewarded. So there's there's still a a, a big challenge for many companies to 
to understand that. That's why we put a lot of our emphasis on uh, communicating. We do 